message is something the Lord spoke plainly into my spirit a long time ago. Take my hand and don't look back. Write the things which thou hast seen, things which are and shall hereafter be. I've been writing ever since. Perhaps not perfectly, but God has made me a lifelong writer. I had this message written on a whiteboard in my office, signed Jesus. When I packed up and moved across the country to attend divinity school, it arrived intact without a single letter of the dry erase marker smudge. Moreover, I did not know it was a scripture until I found it much later written in a similar enough way that I immediately recognized the words. Then I turned to see whose was the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a robe which reached to his feet, and with a girdle of gold about his breast, his head and his hair were like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes flashed like a flame of fire. His feet glowed like burnished bright bronze, as it is refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth there came forth a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full power at midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the ever-living one. I am living in the eternity of the eternities. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. I possess the keys of death and Hades, the realm of the dead. Write, therefore, the things you see, what they are, and signify, and what is to take place hereafter. As to the hidden meaning, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw on my right hand, and the seven lampstands of gold, the seven stars are the seven angels, messengers of the seven assemblies or churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That's Revelation 1, 12-20 AMPC. Another translation says, Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. That's Revelation 1, 19 in the King James 21. The wording is pretty similar to the message that God gave me, nearly exact to the spoken message. It was a timely spoken word of God to me, personally calling me to a bracket of service he had ordained for me long ago. God has been kind to show me similar things, maybe hundreds or thousands by now, of how my life or stories mimic what was already written in the Word of God centuries ago. The Bible covers all time, including right now. What has God spoken to you? Where are His personal messages to you found in the Bible? What have they to do with Christmas time? There are many semblances of the light at Christmas time. Firstly, this light should penetrate the dark corners of our heart, soul, and mind. We are to completely embrace the Lord, accept His forgiveness, and decidedly move forward, following Him into a brand new year. We do not need to look back in shame, regret, or confusion. We get to step into something new. See Revelation 21.5 in the NLT. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured or made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. That's Paul in Philippians 3, 13-14 AMPC. Secondly, we are to operate on God's love to fulfill his call on our lives. Christianity requires faith, trust, and discipline, which are all good for our lives. And this lifestyle comes to us by God's grace, first allowing God to expose lies, grant us the truth, and to communicate with and charge us directly. You see, you have a God-given purpose. The light of Christmas allows us to concentrate on the Lord, check our relationship with Him, and to pray for him to rejuvenate and reactivate our gifts in thankfulness of all that he has given to us. There are many symbols of light in our opening passage. His head and his hair were white like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes flashed like a flame of fire. That's verse 14. He has given light to his churches, a gift that we celebrate each and every Christmas, God coming to the earth as a child, capital C, God with us. See Matthew 1, 23. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah 9, 6, King James 21. In the beginning before all time was the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through Him. And without Him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it. That's John 1, 1 1-5 in the AMPC. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. As long as I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the world's light. John 9, 5. In our opening passage, Christ passes portions of his light to the churches. As to the hidden meaning, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw on my right hand, and the seven lampstands of gold, the seven stars are the seven angels or messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Revelation 1.20 AMPC In several Revelation passages, letters are written to the angels of the churches, a message recorded in the Word of God forever. Likewise, Apostle Paul wrote letters to the first century churches to correct, to encourage, and guide them in the way that they should go. It might sound humorous, but a social media post I recently read stated that if today's church were a first century church, we would be getting a letter from Paul. I am here to say we have already been sent all the letters we need which are found in the Bible, but we need to really read them and listen to the Spirit of God coming through them to speak to us today. A commonality in the Revelation letters is the recurring request of the Lord that the churches repent. To Ephesus, he says, I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left, abandoned, the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent. 
change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you did previously when you first knew the Lord, or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. That's Revelation 2, 3-5 AMPC. To another church, he says, I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired and who is teaching and leading astray my servants and beguiling them into practicing sexual vice and eating food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, God says, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality and refuses to do so. Take note, I will throw her on a bed of anguish, and those who commit adultery with her I will bring down to pressing distress and severe affliction, unless they turn away their minds from conduct such as hers and repent of their doings. And I will strike her children, her proper followers, dead, thoroughly exterminating them. And all the assembly's churches shall recognize and understand that I am he who searches minds, the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of the innermost hearts, and I will give to each of you the reward for what you have done, as your work deserves. That's Revelation 2, 20-23 AMPC. So to paraphrase, my people have abandoned my love, God says. I gave her time to repent. The clear message here is love me again, turn away from your vices and your idols, I'm giving you just a little more time. Vices are sins, and idols can be anything that distracts us from full, clean, and sincere devotion to God. Our guidance on these things is found in the Word. For those individuals among the churches who repent, change their hearts and minds, and distinctly turn toward God, there are beautiful, everlasting promises such as I will give you the morning star which this promise is followed by the oft-repeated phrase, He who is able to hear, let him listen to and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. See Revelation 2, 28-29. God is speaking, but are we able to hear? Today's church must turn and listen to God. Part of the silence of Christmas is reserved for this. God calls us one by one. One by one we open our heart, put down sin and distraction, and keep our flame lit even if, especially if, we are the only one. John 8:12 says, once more Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light which is life. Let me rephrase that again. Once more, Jesus addressed. It is as if God has pleaded, written, spoken, encouraged, sent Jesus, raised Jesus, written again, asked and empowered the churches, sent the Holy Spirit, and yet the darkness seems overwhelming. This is much in part due to erroneous choices. Repentance is a term that requires mind, heart, soul, spirit, concentration, all four. See Matthew 22:37 in the NLT. The term repentance teaches us that God respects us enough to allow us to make individual choice. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, 
I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you, life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live. See Deuteronomy 30.19 AMPC. John 10.10 in the same translation says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus says, that they may have and enjoy life, and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Repentance is a form of holy choosing God, and realigning our mind, heart, soul, and spirit to Him as often as necessary until we stand before Him and give an account of every one of these choices. In Revelation, Jesus puts it like this, Would that you would be cold or hot. Because you are neither, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's in Revelation 3, 15-16, paraphrased mine. He gives us time to choose, and then He reacts to us based on our decision. The latter is the far more serious test. In Matthew 12:30 in the NLT, he plainly states, "Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me." So we have choices at Christmas time between light and dark. Jesus came to the world to give us a choice between life and death. The odds of faith are astronomical, yet it is the only thing that eternally works. God has written sacred letters to his churches to ensure they stay fully in the light and communicate the light of the world to others, just as it was written. Every individual within these churches must choose the light and accept Christ completely into their own heart. To be both hot and cold, to be lukewarm, to be of two souls, to be double-minded, to fluctuate between faith and unbelief is problematic. See James 1.8 or Mark 9.24. This type of behavior wears out the saints, and these are often signs of a lack of true repentance and a lack of a clear-cut decision to choose Christ or to fully recommit. The church and the modern residents of the world are not exempt from this foreordained test. To put it practically, churches, businesses, and law, all three, are moving away from the solid foundations Christ has provided us in His Word. Some businesses have more capital than sovereign nations and stand to influence policy and norms across the world. Laws that are not centered on God's Ten Commandments represent societies going severely off course, and these types of man-made laws actually erode law, order, and authority. God has already warned His churches that He will diminish their light if they do not keep the whole counsel and the spirit of the Word of God if they do not repent. I believe the message of this Christmas time is that the church needs to repent and regain its light. The church does. Then and only then will she regain her strength and influence in society. 
our Advent leading up to Christmas time is a season to concentrate on hope, peace, joy, and love, which are beautiful gifts granted to us through Christ Jesus. It is also about personally appropriating the light of the world and communicating his truth to others, no matter how dark the surrounding circumstances may seem. Christmas is a season to also focus on the future, on eternity, and to check this vision, so beautifully described in Revelation, against the decisions that we are making on the earth right now. Do they align? If not, I encourage you to make a decided turn back toward God. Repent, change the inner man to meet God's will, and do the works you did previously when you first came to know the Lord. Again, that's Revelation 2, 5 AMPC. The morning star, the Bethlehem star, the light of Christ, all do show that one can shine. Should God keep the flame lit in us, we will shine forever too. Though you may be surrounded by darkness, please decide today to be fully on fire for God. Appropriate the anointing of the King of all kings and be wholly committed to follow Him in your life. Rekindle that flame, profess your belief, fight the good fight of faith. And above all that you do this season, I pray that you reconnect and reawaken your beautiful relationship with God, Christ Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Take His hand and don't look back. Rather, move on in confidence in Him, the confidence wherein Christ Jesus has called you. See 1 Peter 5.10 AMPC. If you are consecrated, which means set apart for His holy use, serve the Lord with gladness. Wherever He has you, keep in mind that eternity is forever, this world is temporary. For God so loved the world, however, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3:16. Because you have guarded and kept my word of patient endurance, have held fast the lesson of my patience with an expectant endurance that I give you, I also will keep you safe from the hour of trial, the testing which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may rob you and deprive you of your crown. He who overcomes, who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the sanctuary of my God. He shall never be put out of it or go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which descends from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who can hear, let him listen to and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. That's Revelation 3:10 through 13. This season, I hope that you are encouraged that stars shine brighter when they are surrounded by darkness. The name Emmanuel has been given to you for this exact time in history. It means God with us. Have a Merry Christmas. Bible translations used in this message are as follows. Scripture quotations taken from the Amplified Bible, AMPC, copyright 1987 by the Lockman Foundation, used by permission, Lockman.org. Scripture quotations marked KJ21 are taken from the 21st century King James Version, copyright 1994, 
used by permission of Dual Enterprises Incorporated, Gary, South Dakota. All rights reserved. Scripture quotations marked NLT are taken from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, copyright 2015 by Tyndale House Foundation, used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Carol Stream, Illinois, all rights reserved. To learn more about Don Dyson Ministries or to provide a donation, please go to www.dondyson.com. That's D-A-W-N-D-Y-S-O-N.com.